How many reasons can you think of as to why this is a mind-blowing Easter? Easter Sunday is the best day of the year for all Christians around the world, except for maybe kids. I mean, I do understand. I used to be a kid once upon a time, and Christmas was more exciting to me than Easter. And I suppose you were like that as well. But when we are truly in our right minds and we are thinking biblically as mature adults, of course, Easter is without question the best day of the year. Did you know it would be a great exercise to list why you think that is so? What if you took out a a sheet of paper and just wrote out all the reasons that you could think of as to why Easter is the best time of the year? If you do do that, then will you tell the Lord? Will you sit before the Lord and just Talk to him about why Easter is, without question, the best day of the year. And then for bonus points, you can share it with a friend. And you and your friend can be amazed all over again. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. And the title of this podcast is, Here Are Ten Reasons Why This Is a Mind-Blowing Easter. This is an article that I wrote on our website, and I thought that an Easter article would be the best article to start our new transition, the change that I've been talking about for a number of weeks now that I'm going to stop the Your Daily Drive podcast. Well, that time has come. That season is over. And so I won't be producing any more Your Daily Drive podcasts, but I'm going to continue to produce articles. I want to continue to write. I want to continue to share long-form content with you. And so just consider Your Daily Drive has now moved into Life Over Coffee. You are subscribed to this network, Life Over Coffee, so there's nothing for you to do. You'll receive all of our article content right here in a podcast. And so you will get the regular episodes that you have always received, plus you will get article content as well, like this here. And of course, we want to continue to add more features to Life Over Coffee because it describes our brand better than anything else. Coffee, two people sitting together, talking over issues, working out uh, life uh, problems, situational difficulties over coffee. And so that is our brand, and it makes more sense to put all of our podcasts in one network, not two. And so the first Your Daily Drive podcast, that is now Life Over Coffee. It's titled, Here Are Ten Reasons Why This Is a Mind-Blowing Easter. If you want to read this article, you're welcome to do that. You can read all ten reasons. I have a nice, beautiful infographic poster inside this article. I also have another infographic that is titled, My Condition and Christ's Work, Where I Was Before Christ Found Me, His Regeneration of Me, and then what it means to be a Christian. And so this is a beautiful, helpful 
illustrative theological infographic that you might want to use. And then as always, all of our articles have embedded links. And so if you want to do a deeper dive, a like a long-term project, a life change project, you can take any article we have on the website and the links are there and you can go through those links and just go down the beautiful rabbit hole of reading all sorts of articles that are tied to the original one, like the the title of this one. Again, here are 10 reasons why this is a mind-blowing Easter. And so I want to get into this. I do want to share a couple of announcements to you all to make sure that you are updated. We have recently changed our Mastermind program, not content-wise, but we have divided it up into prerequisite classes and semesters. The reason we did this is because the Mastermind program is a a hunking, hunking, massive, large, enormous program with no breaks. And so it's the same course. So the content, again, the content hasn't changed, but we divided it up. And so now what you can do is you can take a prerequisite class, which is one module, And that way you don't have to purchase the entire Mastermind program. You can take a prerequisite one, prereq one, it's a smaller class, and take it, and it's like a test drive to see if you want to go further into the Mastermind program. And then we have prerequisite two, and then prerequisite three. The thinking is by the time you finish these three smaller courses, you'll have a good idea what the Mastermind program is about, and then you can decide if you want to do the whole thing. And then we have the rest of the course divided up into semesters, five semesters. So there's breaks all along, and that is a more sensible way to do this long course. This is the biggest course that we have. Uh, It can take a student anywhere from two years, would be generous uh, if, if their pace is really consistent, up to four years. And so it is a long long-term training course, but it is so involved, so massive, so detailed, and so transformative. And so we can't make it any smaller. We don't want to do that, but we have divided it up to where you can sample it before you make the ultimate decision of doing the whole thing. And so please check that out. And then also on April the 16th and 17th, Uh, This is 2021. Uh, Lucia and I will be going to Sarasota, Florida to do a marriage retreat. And you're welcome to attend that marriage retreat if you want a Friday night and half a day Saturday of just straight on, undiluted marriage counseling, training, equipping. uh, Then you can go uh, go to look for Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, Florida. They have a link under their events page for the marriage retreat. Sign up. Be there. Would love for you to be there. And then finally, uh, we have started uh, what I call direct messages from Rick Thomas. These are video messages that I am producing, and this is exclusive member content. And so if you are a supporting member of our website, you have access to all of these five-minute or less video messages that I I put out regularly. And there's more than a dozen out there now on our private forum. And so if you are a supporting member, please make sure you subscribe to that forum, direct messages from Rick Thomas. These are video messages, and they're just encouragement, insight, things that uh, will help you in your, your life and your relationships. Now, if you want to be a supporting member so you can uh, access those 
what we would love for you to do that. Please, uh, please consider supporting our ministry. All right, let me jump into 10 reasons why this is a mind-blowing Easter. When I think about Easter, I have to go back to where it all began. The Lord regenerated me when I was 25 years old. That was 1984. It was in the fall. Don't remember the exact time, except I do remember it was in the fall of 19, 1984. 25 years old and did not know John 3.16. I was that ignorant about the Bible. I watched Moses. I watched Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments, still one of my favorite movies. It is a long one, uh, but it is a good one, and most of us watched it. And, and that was basically my, my academic understanding of, of God and His Word. Of course, as a kid, I went to Sunday school and heard the stories, I probably heard a lot more than that, but I remember the main stories, Jonah and the, the whale, Daniel and the three boys in the fire and that. And we had this big hawking Bible, a coffee table Bible that was probably four and a half to five inches thick that had beautiful uh, pictures in it of those various scenes, the climactic scenes in the Bible. And I remember I never read the Bible, but I remember looking at those glossy pictures. And so that was my Bible education. And then through a series of events, God led me to himself. 25 years old, totally ignorant. That's when it began. That was a long time ago, but I'm still amazed at his profound grace in my life. It's something that I never want to get over, and I do, I do mean that. Sometimes I, you know, we talk about leaving our, our first love, and some people probably, I think they push that too far because what they, they think they have left their first love, and they, they don't understand the process of getting something new or experiencing something new, and then 5, 10, 15 years later, well, that newness is going to wear off because newness wears off. It's like having a, a child. The newness of your first child wears off, and you can't recreate that, but but your love for them doesn't wear off. It actually matures. It's just a different kind of feeling than it was when you first saw that baby and you first held that baby. Those are two different feelings, but it doesn't mean that your affection has worn off. It is different now. It feels different. You think about it different. You emote differently, and it's more mature. Now, I do agree that some people can leave their first love. They not only have left that early emotion and feeling of that first experience with Christ, but they have drifted into sin and, and darkness, and, and they're cold toward God. Yes, that is, that is true, but what I would not want you to do is to conflate how you, or think about how you felt then when God first regenerated you and said, I don't have that that excitement, that novelty, that, that first love excitement. Well, you shouldn't because you're more mature now. And there, there is a depth to that relationship. When I first met Lucia uh, years ago, July the 24th, 1994, specifically at 1035 in the morning, those early days of our relationship, they cannot be replicated. And there was something wonderful about it. But And I don't have that 
giddy feeling anymore. Not, not like that, but it is more mature now. There is a depth in the relationship. And so I'm glad that I can appreciate both of those on each on both ends of the spectrum. But both of them would say, I'm amazed. I'm still amazed at his profound grace in my life. It is something I never want to get over. Paul's words to his friend Timothy are regular reminders to me of God's great mercy. He said this in Timothy 1, 15 and 16. He says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. For those of you who love the King James as I do, I am the chief of sinners. I love that. I use the ESV now, but uh, I still have great affection for the for the King James. I am the chief of sinners. He went on to say, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And I am an example. I am, I am Jesus' opportunity to show patience in me. And I, I recognize the patience that, that he has, has given to me because my life after salvation hasn't, hasn't been perfect, let's, let's say. And so the good Lord says yes to me. He said yes to me in 1984. He said, I want you. He took me. He washed me. He showed me incredible mercy. And after all this time, I have yet to get over his gift of salvation. Now, I trust those thoughts are yours too. And I suppose the saying is overused, probably is, but the saying continues to be applicable today. Here's the saying, I'm doing better than I deserve. Now, I realize some of you might be in that rut, and I have been in that rut too, and I don't, I don't have the, or I did not have the emotion or the attitude or the heart or the thoughts that, that I am describing now, and maybe that's the situation where you are in. If that is true, then let me make an appeal to you. The appeal is quite simple. Sometimes our emotions can can overshadow our obedience, what we know to do. And sometimes in order to get out of those ruts, what we need to do is just be obedient anyhow. We need to just continue to do the things that we know that we should be doing, trusting God that the feeling will return eventually. You know, it's kind of like rehab when you're, there's something wrong with your leg, it's not functioning properly. Maybe it doesn't have all the feeling in it that it should. Well, you don't start with the feeling. You start with the obedience. You start massaging the leg and stretching the leg and having therapy for it. And you start working it out slowly but surely. And eventually the feeling comes. Well, spiritually, sometimes we can be in that place. And so if you are there where you're feeling a little limp or or numb or non-feeling, well, then you need to start working out. Do those things that you should be doing and trust that in time, the feeling will come eventually. Sometimes we just have to do it. I'm not talking about behavioralism. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm just talking about walking down those paths of righteousness, knowing that God will restore my soul eventually. 
And so as good as my regeneration was, as I have been describing, the thing that really has impressed me the most about the Lord, and I hinted about it a while ago, talking about his patience, the thing that really impresses me about God is his persevering grace after he pulled me out of a horrible pit. David said it this way about the horrible pit. He said in 42, 40, verse 2, Psalm, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Well, that's what he did. And then after that, post-regeneration, God has been a merciful, forgiving God. As I think about all the mistakes that I have made, and there have been many, the things that I've said, the deeds that I've done, God and God is forgiving. So he is forgiving in your regeneration when he brings you into his family, and he's forgiving in your sanctification. And so the title of this podcast and the article that I'm sharing with you, here are 10 reasons why this is a mind-blowing Easter. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, no way, no how. But I just want to give you 10 things to think about. And as I said earlier, I, I would love... I would love for you to create your own list. I, I, I appeal to you. Just take the time. And maybe you don't have to write it down, but just rehearse these things in your mind. Ten reasons that you love God. Here, here are my ten. He declared you or declared me not guilty. Now, that was a big one. I can't even get into the depth of how big that is. I was a complicated individual. I'm still complicated, but I was really complicated back then. I was twisted up. I, after a quarter of a century of of living in a horrific way, whether it was things that I did or things that were done to me, all of that mixed into a cauldron of unhealthy depravity, as though depravity could be anything but unhealthy. And then God declared me not guilty. But more than that, that is just a legal decoration. That is just the gavel going down in the in the courtroom as it slams against that, that piece of wood, and he says, not, not guilty. But then through a process after that, number two, he, he released me from all my shame. You see, one of the things that attaches itself to guilt is shame, that internal awkwardness that we all sense where we're not comfortable in our own skin, where we feel out of step with everyone else, kind of isolated, hiding in plain sight in the middle of a thousand people, but yet all alone. That's what shame can do for you. God declared me not guilty. He released me from my shame. And then number three, he chose to forget all of my wrongs. Now, this is something that I had to work at because it's easy to walk in in the path of guiltiness and, and shame. And what that is, it is remembering some or all the wrongs that you have done in the past. But God chose to forget. Now, God is an omniscient being, so he can't forget anything. So what does it mean? It means that he chooses not to bring up our wrongs. He doesn't put it in our face. And you don't need to put it in your face either. If you have these thoughts that rise up in your mind that remind you of all that you have done wrong or something that you did wrong, that is a stronghold. It is taking your thought captive, and you need to war against that. You need to mentally fight against that and defeat that stronghold. 
bring that thought out of that captivity and submit that thought to Christ. And one of the ways to do that is the very thing that I'm suggesting now. Make a list. Rehearse the list. Ten reasons you love God. Think through these things that I'm saying, and it will put your mind to rest. And you, too, can be like God in this sense. You can choose to forget your wrongs. Number three. Number four, he cares for your soul. I've described a lot of that already. I mean, not just regenerating you, but the ongoing persevering grace as he sanctifies you. He cares for your soul. Number five. He connected me to a body, a new group of people, new friends. And one of the beautiful things about being in the body of Christ is that it doesn't matter where you go around the world. When you talk to someone who is who has been regenerated, that they're in the body, there's this unmentioned but highly discerned language, attitude, thought, expectation, because you're you're in the body. It's like you you met a, a twin or a, a friend that you haven't seen in years, but as soon as you connect, it's like you connect because you're in the body. It's a mysterious thing, the body of Christ. Number six, he leads you in paths of righteousness. I was talking about that earlier, that sometimes when the feeling, the emotions aren't there, this number six, he leads you in paths of righteousness, comes right out of 23.3. Of song. He says he restores my soul. How does he do that? Well, he says in that same sentence, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. If you want your soul restored, you want the positive biblical emotions to, to come back. If you want that feeling again, then you have to walk down those paths of righteousness. Number seven, he forgives you all sins. And so anything that you do in the future, it's not a license to sin, but you are forgiven, and you live in the freedom and the power of that forgiveness. And, and even though some people will say, well, that's just a license. You can do anything that you want to. Well, the truth is, a person who really understands this, out of a heart of gratitude, they don't want to sin. I mean, the freedom is so powerful that they don't want to sin. They want to walk in paths of righteousness. Number eight, he pers- perseveres with you as I was saying earlier. Number nine, he fights for you. It reminds me, I think it's Genesis 39, verse number two, possibly. It's in the hood. It's close to that. It says God is was with Joseph, and that was right in the middle of Joseph's sad saga of all the things that were going wrong for him. And then those two words jump out of off the page with Joseph. God was with Joseph, and he fights for you too. And then number 10, he calls you his, his friend. I wrote an article a number of years ago, and it's, it's about uh, an individual who had, his name's Buzz Baker. He had some of the most significant influence on my life. His favorite verse, or it might not be his favorite, but it's one he like quoted all the time. I think it's his favorite. Psalm 34, 6, it says this, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of, out of all his troubles. His generation, his regeneration was profound. And I would never minimize the day that he declared me not guilty and adopted me into his family. But it has been his persevering grace after salvation that regularly boggles my mind. He forgave me 
the day we met, and he has been faithful to forgive me ever since. And then there is Easter, a profound reminder of the length the Lord went to to give me the transcendent benefits of salvation. Psalm 103.2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so I have been talking about the past when God regenerated me. I've been talking about the present of how blessed it is to be regenerated and to live out uh, sanctification. But then there is heaven, the place where we can adore him forever. One of my favorite heavenly passages is Revelation 5, verses 11, 13. It says this, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Revelation 5 verses 11 and 13 And then finally, as I mentioned a while ago, that I do have this infographic here uh, in addition to the poster. And these resources are are free to you, so please uh, jump on this article. Uh, Here are 10 reasons why this is a mind-blowing Easter. Scroll down to the bottom, and I want you to take a look at this infographic. It is deeply, richly theological, and it's titled, My Condition and and Christ's Work. And it talks about the progression of what I've been saying throughout this podcast, that we go from unsaved to regeneration to being sanctified by the power of the gospel. And this infographic list, I'm not sure what's here, like 10, 10 different things that talk about my condition And then parallel to that is Christ's work in me. Let me give you a few examples. In Romans 3.10, Isaiah 53.6, we are declared unrighteous. That's my condition. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, here's the parallel. He makes me righteous. Here's another one. In Romans 3.11, Psalm 14.1, Isaiah 55.8.9, Romans 1.21, The Bible teaches that I am without understanding. And then in Ephesians 4.23 and Romans 12.2 and 1 John 5.20, he renews my mind. In Romans 3.11, it teaches that I have no desire to seek God. And then in Luke 19.10 and Ephesians 2.8 and 9, it teaches that he sought me. And so that gives you an idea of what this infographic uh, infographic is communicating. And there's several more. There's eight, eight, nine more here, and I would love for you to get a hold of this and to read it. It would make an excellent Sunday school lesson to walk through this because there's a lot of people that 
do not understand the difference between who we were and and then what God did, my work, my condition, and, and Christ's work. But there's something a little more deeper here, and that is a lacking of gratitude that we have for what God has done is born out of a lack of awareness of understanding what God has done. And so if a person were to take this graphic and examine it, uh, it should begin to have a positive effect on a person's attitude toward not just God, but an attitude toward life. And we live in some dark and darkening times. We're, we're all aware of it. We, we know what is going on. We're, we're not ignorant, and we can easily feel overwhelmed. And I feel that tug as well, that tug that pulls you down like a gravitational pull, pulling you back to the dirt, to the earth, licking the dust, as the Bible says. But God has called us to be more than conquerors, and that begins in our mind as we think about what God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives, which is the point of this article that I'm sharing with you. And so jump on the website. Here are 10 reasons why this is a mind-blowing Easter. Spend some time over the next day or so, thinking through some of the things that I've shared in this podcast, but some of the things that are also in this article. And if any of you want to reach out, you need someone to talk to, we not only have those supporting forums for people who uh, underwrite our ministry, but we have free community forums as well. And if you need someone to chat with, just jump on our forums and say, hey, I just need to talk. Here's my question. We'd love to serve you. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.